This is the Emergency Medical Minute, sponsored by Mile High Ambulance. All right, guys, good morning. Was up late last night going to a labor and delivery class. My wife is pregnant and we are expecting in January. And the teacher was great, really knowledgeable. And a lot of times there were a ton of questions just about the process of delivery. And for me, there was an uncomfortable number of I don't knows or we'll get to that later. And that just makes me panic. So I went home and just did a brush up on the process of delivery, which is obviously sometimes relevant for us here in the emergency department. We'll kind of go through this as if we're delivering a baby here in the emergency department. I want you to know just for me privately, this is my panicked thought of having to do this in my bedroom. But we will go through it. I think it's a little more relevant if we go through it as if we're doing this in the emergency department. So three stages of labor overall. Stage one is further broken down into two phases, and then there's stage two, stage three. So stage one is responsible for kind of the bulk of the laboring process. Like I said, broken down into two phases. The first phase is the latent phase of labor. Your contractions are coming, you know, usually every like 20 minutes, somewhere between 20 minutes and five minutes apart. And this is really responsible for the bulk of the time that is involved in laboring. Anywhere from six to 10 hours usually in the latent phase. Um, and the cervix can be dilated anywhere from zero centimeters up to four centimeters. You can then move into the active phase. Contractions are getting a little closer together, kind of getting closer to that two to three minutes apart, your cervix is further dilating at that point. That can take another handful of hours. And then the second stage of the delivery is the birth itself. If anybody's ever been on a labor and delivery unit or if they've ever delivered a baby themselves, this is usually the part where the nurse who has done so much of the hard work of getting the woman through the delivery process calls the doctor, they come in and they take all the credit. So that part is really fast, usually takes from 20 minutes to two hours. And then stage three is delivery of the placenta. So we're here in the emergency department. We get a call. Somebody's coming in in labor. We don't know what part of their labor they're in. There's a handful of questions I'll usually ask as the patient whizzes through the emergency department. One, I want to know how far along they are. So anybody who's at least 37 weeks along, this can be considered a term delivery. If they're before that, that's preterm. So that's kind of our cutoff. How far along are you? Hopefully they know that off the top of their head. The next thing that I'll ask, do you have any known pregnancy complications? And there's one that I'm really listening for, which is placenta previa, where the placenta is sort of covering the exit chute. And patients can have a history of placenta previa. Usually as the pregnancy continues and develops, that placenta will get pulled up and out of the way of the exit chute. So I'm not so concerned that this is somebody that had a history of placenta previa, but I want to know, do you still have it? Are they planning to do a cesarean? Because if the placenta is covering the exit chute, the baby cannot come out that way. And furthermore, I want to probably do a check before the patient goes upstairs. And if they have a, a known placenta previa, me putting my fingers up there and doing any sort of check, I could you know, risk rupturing that and creating a big mess and more of a more of a complication so don't want to be involved in any of that so I want to know is that one of the complications that you know you have if not then I'll go ahead and do a check and when I check for cervix I am hoping for the exact opposite of what an OB is hoping for so I am hoping that the cervix is long thick and high we can remember from anatomy that the cervix kind of starts out as this tubular structure and then in order to successfully deliver a baby it has to thin out into this like wafer thin or paper thin kind of very thin structure that then dilates up to 10 centimeters to get the baby out safely so I am hoping that the patient isn't dilated at all and that we can just safely whisk them off to labor and delivery. We'll say that's not the case for this. And so we look and the, the baby is actually crowning. And so we're like, shoot, we don't want this person to deliver in the elevator. So we're going to just set up for a delivery here in the emergency department. Next question I'll have is what is the presenting part? Again, at that point, I'm hoping for the same thing that the OB is hoping for. I'm hoping that it's a head. So if we see a head and the head is coming out, most normal normal that you can get is that it's a uh, left occiput 
anterior, meaning that the head is kind of turned slightly and that the face is pointing down towards the gurney. That's the most normal presentation. There can be slight, you know, changes to that, but that is still, you know, crowning head down. That's kind of what we're all hoping for. I've had one case in residency where I thought I was going to get to do an emergency delivery. They had said that the patient was crowning. I went to do my first check and I was like, man, this head just does not feel right. And all of a sudden a foot kicked out. And what the what the paramedics had been feeling was the knee of the patient. And now we had one leg just sticking through the, through the cervix. So in that case, that's a time where there's no way for me as an emergency physician, I'm not sure if there's a way for any physician, but there's certainly no way for me as an emergency physician to successfully deliver that baby. We do something called elevating the presenting part where I just put my hand up there, I, I hold the presenting part you know, into the mom's abdomen, and then we got whisked upstairs and uh, she was prepped for surgery. They like half, I think somebody forgot that I was just not supposed to be there, and so they like half prepped me before they were like, oh, no, wait, you, you can leave. Somebody else will do this for you until we get the baby out. But we're hoping for, for the head. Probably going to see that the head is pointing down towards the gurney. The head will deliver at some point with mom pushing. And a process at that point happens called restitution. And any novice deliverer, I consider myself very much a novice. I've probably delivered somewhere between 40 and 50 babies just between you know, residency and, and medical school. Definitely consider myself a novice. And the way they teach novices is once the head is delivered, take your hands off the baby entirely to allow for this process of restitution. It's this really creepy thing. It sort of looks like a little Chucky doll head that just sort of turns slightly. But the reason for that is that when the, when the baby comes down and engages in the pelvis, it sort of engages with its head kind of turned one direction or the other. And so when the head comes out, it gives time for that head to kind of square with the shoulders before the delivery of the shoulders happen. So hands completely off. You risk if you're kind of holding constant traction on the head, you would end up actually pulling the baby out and stretching one side or the other, possibly leading to delivery complications. So hands completely off, allow the head to restitute, and then deliver the shoulders. The goal really is to try and get the anterior shoulder out first, and I remember that by just thinking kind of we pull down gently on the baby, kind of giving that traction to get the first shoulder out, and then as the second shoulder comes, you just kind of continue the movement, lay the baby up on the, on the mom's chest. At that point, we can go on to clamping the cord. We still recommend delayed cord clamping. So that's one to one to three minutes of delayed cord clamping, presuming that the baby's apgars are good and doesn't need any uh, newborn resuscitation. And so at that point, we can clamp the cord. We always want to make sure we do that with something sterile, cutting the cord with something sterile, because at this point, the cord is essentially a central line straight into baby, straight into mom. And so we really want to try and keep everything as clean as possible. So if we do deliveries here in the emergency department, that's something you often see the OBs be really particular about, that they really want to make sure that whatever we're handing them to clamp and cut the cord is something sterile. And that's the reason why. So cord is cut and clamped, baby's up on mom's chest or in the warmer, and now the last stage is to deliver the placenta. Kind of do that with gentle downward traction on the cord. You definitely want to rip or tear. You risk kind of tearing the cord away from the placenta. So sort of gentle downward traction that will kind of deliver on its own, usually over the course of the next, you know, five to 20 minutes. And you may see the OBs sort of put their hand up on the top of the belly and think that that's them kind of massaging the uterus. We'll have, we'll do that at some point, but not while the placenta is delivering. The, the OBs putting their hand up on the belly, they're literally holding pressure or traction just above where the pubic bone is. And that is to help prevent the uterus from inverting as the placenta is delivered out. So you'll get the placenta delivered out safely and then at that point we can start massaging the uterus. Hopefully by that point we're on our way up to labor and delivery where they can add on all sorts of fun things like oxytocin and help kind of that uterus contract back down to normal and prevent any of the postpartum hemorrhage that is one of the complications we worry about. All right guys, thanks. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Health One Continental Division and Swedish Medical Center for their financial contributions to the EMM. Donations from them and listeners like you make it possible for us to fulfill our mission of producing and spreading free medical education to the masses. If you enjoy our show, 
please consider making a one-time or reoccurring donation to help cover our operational costs and keep the EMM awesome. Click on the link in our show notes to make a donation. Thank you for listening.